0: good to be back with you. I'd like to thank Roberto for uh, sharing last week on how God's presence is uh, the best present we could get. And by the way, before we go any farther, it is Roberto's birthday today, so... <laughs> Chris wanted to sing, I told him no, but uh, there you go. Um, we're not going to ask how old you are because you're really very young still. So... Um, but last week, Roberto talked about how God's presence is the best present we could ever receive. It's what he gave to us. And it, it fits with the overall theme of what we're uh, talking about in this series, uh, which we talked about in week one, where uh, your presence is the best present you could give those around you uh, this, this holiday season for Christmas. Uh, one uh, practical thing we encourage you to do during this season is to, uh, to change the wallpaper on your phone, right? Uh, Jackie, our communications director, created this uh, simple wallpaper paper that just it says be present and and the idea is that uh, we make this our lock screen our home screen on our phone and every time we pick it up it reminds us to put the phone down and build relationships up Right. And so that's kind of the idea. And if you have yet to do that, you can still do that. Uh, open up the camera app on your phone real quick if you want to do that right now. And uh, you can point that at the screen. It should send you to a link. You can download the picture. And if that doesn't work, you can go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram. You can go to our website. You can download that picture, make it your home screen, your lock screen, whatever you want it to be. Uh, and, and we get it. Right. We know that just changing the, the picture on your phone is not going to make everything better. But it can't hurt, right? And especially this week when you're probably going to have more time with family than maybe you want. Uh, It'll be really tempting just to grab that phone and hang out with it instead. But we want to remind you and encourage you to be present with the people you are, to be where you are, when you are, and be with those people Engage in conversations and put the phone down and build relationships up. And so we hope that you'll do that. Uh, today, we wrap up our, our series, Christmas Presents. As a series, we realize that that is a cheesy title, right? We fully acknowledge that. We acknowledge that it's been used before, but it really emphasizes what we're trying to share this Advent season. As a church, it's our mission to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. And we do that when we take uh, Jesus's life as our pattern for living, and we take uh, his life life as, as a model for this community and we prioritize being together uh, we are working in community we hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer that is our growth and we strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world and we try to engage with the people around us and and I don't know about you but my community my world uh, we could use a little grace this week right it's, it's just going to get worse. It's, it's three days until Christmas. You do realize that, right? There, there are many of you who are probably going, yeah, I've got way too much to do and you're really stressed. And there's others of you that you would be stressed if you could remember all the things that you were supposed to have done already, right? Uh, it, it's just the way it goes. But today, as we think about Christmas and we think about the birth of Jesus I want us all just we're here right you're locked in for the next 18 to 20 minutes I don't know if you realize that or not but I'm going to invite you just to try to put all that aside and let's slow down for just a minute and be present in this moment and let's reflect on how uh, this Christmas story that we are all very familiar with is a simple story and it's also very complex in many ways. But, but if we miss the simplicity of the story, then we may miss a key part of what this season is all about. The part where we decide how we are going to respond to Jesus. Not only his presence in the world, but his presence in our lives. And this morning, I want to share with you and suggest some powerful ways that we can and probably should respond to Jesus. I invite you to grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna be in chapters one and two. You can open your PCC app, your Bible app, reach for a blue Bible that should be somewhere close to you. And if you're in one of those blue Bibles, Luke will be on or around page 723. I wanna encourage you to put the text in your hands, grab your, uh, your sermon notes, in case something uh, decides that you, w- you wanna write something down. Uh, There's an author by the name of Patrick Morley who wrote a book titled The Man in the Mirror. And in his book, he, he shares this idea that the turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. And that's so true sometimes, isn't it? We all do it in one way or another. We have this, this image of God. We, we envision God in, in many different ways. We, maybe we, we see Him as holy or far away from us, as an old grandfather, as, as black or bright or black or brown or white or any color on the spectrum. Uh, we may see God as a man or a woman, as kind or as angry, as, as out of touch, as out to get us. As, we just see God in a lot of different ways. This time of year, it's not hard to envision God as this type of Santa, right? After all, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been good, right? Those are the, that's the way. And what happens at Christmas time? You get presents, Right? I don't know any parent who, their kid hasn't exactly been great, but they still give him presents, right? I mean, it just happens that way. And so sometimes we, we view God and we're like, well, God's that way too, he's like a big Santa Claus, so we just get to do whatever we want, which allows us to seek God on our terms to make God out who we desire for him or her to be, and not exactly who he really is. So who is God? Well, it's a question asked in the Christmas song that we sang earlier. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? That's the question. And the answer is there as well. This, this is Christ the King. The answer to who is God can best be found when we discover and experience Jesus And one of the things that is interesting about how often, uh, especially during this season, how often Jesus is referred to as king. And that is really interesting because here in the States, we really don't understand this concept or relate to this idea of a king. Often we think of a king uh, being an inferior uh, option to a democracy and free elections. If we watch any of the princess movies, then uh, the king is either a pushover, a threat, or says nothing at all, right? We just we don't know anything about them. But for the most of history, people and nations were ruled by a powerful king. And people knew what the appropriate response was to a powerful king. You submit. You honor the king. But as Americans, we struggle to grasp this concept of a powerful king, because we see ourselves as the nation who is the most powerful. So that is us, Another reason why it's hard for us to grasp this concept of Jesus being a king is because we don't have the same mindset or expectations that the Jews had during the time of Jesus' birth. We know that the Jews had these expectations of a coming king. We see these expectations in Luke chapter 3 when Luke writes in verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah, now, a little bit of Bible history, right? John the Baptist came before Jesus, paved the way, uh, told people that he was coming. Uh, he, he gets the ball uh, rolling, and, and he begins to make an impact in, in the world and in the society, and people think, whoa, he might be the Christ. Is he the Messiah? Is he the one we are expecting? Now, I have to take a brief time out to, to really uh, take a step back for this really to make sense, because we have to ask the question, why did the Jews have this, have this expectancy? What were they looking for? Why were they anticipating uh, looking for a Messiah in the first place? Why was that even possible? Well, the short answer is because the prophets had foretold that this would happen to the nation of Israel. And in their uh, prophecies, in their foretelling, they foretold of two major things. One, the hope of a kingdom. They, They prophesied and told of a kingdom that God would establish in which there would be peace and joy and love. A kingdom in which all other nations would receive blessing. A kingdom where death would be conquered, that righteousness would prevail. A kingdom where the valleys would be raised up and the mountains would be made low. Uh, The coming kingdom as foretold by the prophets would be this perfect solution to the mess that the Jews were living in during the time of Jesus his birth so they were expecting the arrival of a new kingdom and because there was a new kingdom that was to appear it made sense that there would have to be first a king right and so they had the hope of a king in this new kingdom there would be a king that would administer perfect justice It would bring the world back to what it was intended to be. The king would demonstrate his power. He would establish a kingdom. He would be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. He would be the king. That's what the prophets foretold. And it's what the believing Jews were expecting to happen. They knew how the prophets had spoken accurately in the past, and they believed that this would continue to take place because they had spoken the truth. So they lived in this expectation that not only a king could appear, but that he would appear. It was an expectation based on God's faithfulness and God's word. We see this in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and the, of peace there will be no end he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this now I don't know about you but it's hard for me to read those words without wanting to just kind of burst into song right <laughs> but you don't want that for me right Handel's Messiah is what we take from that right We ask the question in the song, and I've already alluded to it, what child is this? Who is Jesus? And this text tells us he is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God, he is everlasting father, he is prince of peace, bringing peace to all nations when the kingdom comes. Jesus is king, justice, righteousness, peace. That's what's included in this new kingdom. It will be what they needed then, it's what we still need today. The kingdom will last forever. It will have no end. The end of verse 7 in that text says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's another way the prophet was saying you can bank on this happening. This is going to happen. This is the expectations the Jews had. We, we don't live in that expectation. It's hard for us to grasp. But this is what the Jews were expecting. The king would come, and the king would establish this eternal kingdom. The Romans would be driven out. The ruler Caesar would rule no longer. Instead, they would have a true king. It's what they expected. It's what they wanted. And while they didn't completely understand everything... They understood the concept of a king and a kingdom. One of the things they maybe didn't quite understand was the timing. It's a timing I'm not sure we quite have figured out yet still today. Something I learned when I was growing up is that things are not always as we perceive them to be. Right? Right? I, I try to illustrate it this way. Has anyone ever driven toward a mountain range? Now, before you answer that question, I'm not talking about these little hills around here that we call mountains, right? I'm talking about real mountains. Anybody driven toward like real mountains? Thank you. Some of you have. Yeah. I cannot tell you the number of trips that I have made across the windswept plains of Kansas to enjoy the spectacle that is the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. On that journey something interesting happens. Once you cross out of the plains of, of Kansas and into the plains of, of Colorado, you begin looking for the mountains, right? You begin trying to see them. And even though you can't see them, you know they're there, right? And so, so you're looking for them. You expect them to come into view. And, and there are times when you're driving and you see clouds and you think, oh, they're, no, those are just clouds. Those aren't the mountains yet. They're not there. So you keep looking. But as you continue to travel, it happens. First, you see one peak, and then you see another, and still more as you approach. And at first, from a distance, those first couple of peaks, uh, when you see them, they appear to be side by side, don't they? But then as you get closer, you realize, oh, wait, no. That one is really far behind the other one, right? And it's much bigger than you thought. There's this huge valley in between the two. And I would suggest that maybe something similar happened when it came to the Hebrew prophets. They were looking at these two major peaks of prophecy. The first of the coming king, the king uh, that God told them he would send, that they foretold of his appearing, uh, his appearing in power, raising the dead, healing the sick. They knew God would send him. They also saw this kingdom. This kingdom where nations would be judged, things would be set right, there would be a new heaven and a new earth, a kingdom of peace and joy and love where all is made right. And when the prophets saw these two peaks at a distance, of course they thought they went together, right? A king comes, he establishes a kingdom. Bang, bang, we're done. But as they got closer, and then as the king appears, we realize that there's a great valley of time between the king coming. And the establishment of the kingdom. We talk about that today as we live in the now but not yet kingdom of God. It's here, but it's, it's not fully here and realized. The expectation of the Jews was that the king was coming and, and that's what we celebrate on Christmas morning. Not that Jesus was born on exactly December 25th in the year zero, right? That's, but that Jesus was born. It's a simple story. It's a story we've heard so often that that we just don't listen to it anymore. And even though it's simple, it's filled with complex details that only make sense in light of God's promise to his people. An angel Gabriel shows up to a poor Jewish teenager named Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Then the angel tells her, hey, you're going to become pregnant. I'm not so sure how great news that was to her at that moment, right? But uh, she's going to give birth to a son. She's going to give that, that boy uh, the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And then the angel tells her some very significant things about Jesus and who he is and, and what he will do. And then how does Mary respond? Well, she asks a really good question, like, how's this going to happen, Right? And then after receiving an answer, it says in verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary declared her willingness for God to work in her and through her. And I would suggest that that is a great response to have toward a king. And then in the story, we see the shepherds, right? They were watching over their flocks at night, and you can sing that song as well in your head, right? All of a sudden, the sky lights up, right? And the angels appear. Luke records it this way in chapter two. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the king. He is the Lord. So the shepherds went to see that which the angel had told them. And when they'd seen him, they spread word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which is just as they had been told. The shepherds, they told others, they glorified and praised God. And I would suggest that that is a great response to have toward a king. Then we have the wise men, those mysterious people from the east. Uh, I would love to know what they understood. I would love to know when they saw the star, when they actually arrived to see Jesus. There's a lot of those details that I would like to know. These Persian wise men, they weren't Jewish and yet they were living in this expectation of a coming king as well because if they weren't, then they wouldn't have been looking for the sign. They were aware of the prophets. They were aware of the validity of their message and they believed that it would happen. And so when they saw the the comet or the sun flare or, or whatever it was that they saw that they described as a star, they saw what they were looking for, they saw what they were anticipating had finally happened and so they came seeking a king. Matthew chapter two, verse two tells us the Magi ask, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when they found out where the king had been born, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And what was their response? They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed, they worshiped, they gave gifts and I would suggest that is a great response to have toward a king questions for you when was the last time you bowed down to someone when was the last time you told others about Jesus and worshipped and glorified him when was the last time you expressed your willingness for God to work in you and through you You see, what's interesting is, is we usually don't bow down, do we? We usually don't, don't worship and give gifts because we're not used to responding to a king. That's just not something we typically do. Outside of our church community, we typically don't talk about, let alone you know tell other people about Christ, nor do we invest time in worshiping and glorifying him. We don't like to surrender control. We don't like to invite God to work in us and through us. But these people, in the story, they did. Why? Because they expected a king. And they knew how to appropriately respond to a king. So we ask the question, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This, this is Christ the king. It's a simple story. A king was born. That which the prophets foretold had happened. And when the, when the people expected to happen finally happened, history was made. The new kingdom was being born. The first mountain peak came into view. The king was born. It's a simple story, and it demands from us a simple response. Thank you, Lauren and Caitlin. Oh, holy night, a beautiful song, a familiar song. And one of the dangers of those familiar songs is that we just listen to them or we just sing them and we don't really allow the message of the song to impact our lives. So I hope that by highlighting this song, it will remind us to step back and to consider our response to the simple story of Jesus' birth. The Savior is born, a simple story. So fall on our knees, a simple response. Because that is a great response to have toward a king. All throughout scriptures, we see how people responded to Jesus. In the early years of Jesus' life, Simeon praised God. Anna gave thanks to God. Teachers in the temple were amazed at Jesus. Even Mary and Joseph were astonished. In his ministry, we see how people responded to Jesus. The man with leprosy fell with his face to the ground. The friends of the paralytic tore through the roof in order to get their friend to Jesus. Jesus. People left everything to follow him. Expensive bottles of perfume were broken to wash his feet. They came to hear him speak. They asked questions. They wanted to be a part of his kingdom. Time and time and time again, people were amazed at what he said, what he did, who he was, because that is a great response to have toward a king. And that is the type of response we are to have to Jesus as well. It's a response that really begins in our hearts. The reality is, we can attend church, we can give and serve, raise our hands during the songs, even fall physically to our knees. All of those things are great. And yet worship truly begins when we bow our hearts before him, because that's what God sees. He sees our heart. Jesus issues an invitation for us to respond to him and to his kingdom when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near." Now that word repent, it's a loaded and somewhat controversial word, but it it literally means just to change your mind, to change direction, to stop seeking the God we want and to seek the God who is, to seek the God who has revealed himself and bow our hearts to him. Paul describes the simple response to the people at the church in Rome when he writes these words, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We believe in our hearts. We declare with our mouths. It's a simple response, but it's one that can shape and change the trajectory of our entire lives. And because of the significance of the response, often we hesitate to respond in that way because... If we're really being honest, we don't like for anyone to have power or authority over us. We don't want to relinquish control of our life. We want to be our own Lord. We want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. We want to be the king or queen of our own lives. We understand the concept, but we hesitate to respond in that way. And yet, Jesus' invitation is a simple response. Because when you consider all the kings and lords and rulers that have ever been and ever will be, all of them have or will pass away. They will be gone, and so will you, and I will too. But there is one king who conquered death. And his name is Jesus. And through God's power, he demonstrated that what he said is true. He is Lord. He is King. And someday the second peak, the second part of the prophecy, the kingdom, will be realized. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As it was at his birth, it remains after his death, burial, and resurrection. The simple response is to bow down before him, to invite him to work in us and through us, to tell others about what God has done for us as we worship and glorify him. And when we see people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ, we rejoice as they bow down their hearts to Jesus and enter into a relationship that begins today and blends into eternity, because that is a great response to have toward a king. So what will your response be to Jesus today? Will you bow your heart? Will you worship him? Will you embrace his presence and invite him to work in you and through you? Through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, God has given us his presence and he invites us to respond to him. And as we respond to him, we have the opportunity to say, Here we are, Jesus. And this morning, we're going to sing that same song that Caitlin and Lawrence shared just a few minutes ago. It contains the simple story the story of Jesus, and it calls for a simple response. And it's my prayer that this will not just be a song that we sing at the end of our time together, but it will be a response that we will in our hearts fall down, bow down, and worship the Lord, surrendering to him.